This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey there, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prim, and I'm a small animal veterinarian and lifelong cat lover. And so I know that the world is a little bit different right now. We're experiencing some changes because of the coronavirus threat. And so I thought it would be a great time to invite Tabitha Kusera, who is a registered veterinary technician with a special interest in behavior and cats. And I wanted to invite her to talk with us about maybe some things that we could do with a little bit of this extra time on our hands, like teach our cats some cool things. So I want to chat with Tabitha right after this message. Dr. Cat here again. So I wanted to tell you something about my cat, Scamper. He's kind of become famous. People ask me about Scamper, but Scamper does this sort of annoying thing where when I act like I'm really interested in petting Scamper, that's when he decides to leave. And that's sort of a a cat thing, I guess. But yeah, walking up to Scamper, Scamper's got to think of it on his own. It's got to be his idea to play with me. But that's all stuff I can live with because what I can't deal with is a smelly litter box, which is really, really unacceptable. So I use Arm & Hammer Clump & Seal. It clumps really tight around the odor and it destroys it for seven days. A seven-day odor-free home, guaranteed. Because an odor-free home is a happy home. Arm & Hammer, more power to you. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. So as I said, we have a lot of people with a little more time on their hands and cats that are adjusting to having their two-legged family members around a little bit more. And Tabitha Cusera is here with us. Hi, Tabitha. Hi, how are you? I am wonderful. So I want everybody to know your amazing long list of credentials. You are a registered veterinary technician. You are also a fear-free certified professional like I am. And um, don't you participate in the Society of Veterinary Behavior Technicians as well? Yes, I was the president and vice president for the last two years. And now I work on their education committee. Oh, that's a perfect place for you. So Tabitha is also a certified cat behavior consultant, and she offers lots of very interesting services and resources. I kind of want to get back to your cool, cool website and all the things that you do, but but I, I thought today was a great time when we are home and maybe bored with our cat. Can we talk a little bit about training cats and the things that you might want to train your cat to do? Yeah, I think that's a really great point. A lot of us are in our homes more at this time. So what better time than to train our cats? And you can click or train your cats to do lots of fun things from jumping through a hoop and setting up a fun agility area in your living room, which I have done numerous times, or you can train them to sit, lay down, or one of my favorite things, and I know it's yours too, Dr. Cat, is you can train them to happily accept medications 
and or veterinary procedures, which I'm a really big fan of because unfortunately, a lot of cats aren't big fans of those things. I am a big fan of teaching them those things too. And that is why I invited you because I think it'll be a really constructive use of my listeners' time. And I think it'll build the bond with their cat and make future things with their cat a little better. Now, when I reached out to you, I told you that I had a cat that did not like to have his monthly flea product applied. And I know how important that is. And I was talking with a friend who's a veterinary behaviorist and she said, well, you can teach him to tolerate that. So I invited you, if we want to teach our cat to do something that he or she doesn't really think is a great idea, where do we start? So the best places to start is consistency and routine. So whatever we work on, we're going to be consistent, of course, and do it frequently. Also, finding something that reinforces your cat. So food is a motivator for all animals and humans since we need it to live. So food is a reinforcer that a lot of us will use to train our cats. But you can also use verbal praise or petting. But the biggest thing is finding reinforcers your cat likes because you like different things than I do, Dr. Cat. And all my five cats, like I actually recently had to give my cat medications who I've never given medications before. And right from the start, I did created positive associations with it and did what I could. And within three days, she was going to the area where I medicate her on her own by choice and was happily accepting treats afterwards and hanging around, not running from me. So finding what reinforcers your cat's like is huge. Like for example, random, but for my cat, Tofurky, which is a vegan type of like turkey and her dry kibble, which I use as a treat for her. Those are her high value reinforcers. My other cats don't care about Tofurky. So I think first things first, finding a quiet area to train where there's not a lot going on. Because when we're learning something new, we want least distractions as possible. And then also finding things that your cat likes. So, you know, once you start training, the cat actually enjoys what you're giving them because we've all been there with a cat dog or even kids where we're teaching them something and we think we're like, they love this, but they don't. (laughs) Oh, yes. I think that's really important to watch your cat and see what the cat is telling you. So, so this is a pretty specific ask, but I see a whole lot of cats and it seems like every cat likes something different. So I've got a basket full of things, treats and tempting things. Can you list some of the things that you've maybe found specifically items besides Tofurky? Cause I don't keep that at my <laughs> clinic, but things that, that people could try that would be easy. So some of the most, cause again, like you mentioned, every cat's an individual, but some of the things since I get the pleasure of training hundreds of cats, that cats really enjoy is something called churro, which is, we call it a meat stick, (laughs) but they're little packets of wet flavored food. um, And they come in lots of flavors. So you could offer variety, but cats love churro. And then also some other high value reinforcers I tend to use is squeeze cheese, whipped cream, sometimes canned cat food that isn't your cat's normal brand of canned cat food. And if your cat has belly issues and is sensitive, there's GI low fat. So there's bland diets from your veterinarian that are safe for them, but tend to be really yummy. So I always have a can of that or two on hand since I may be working with a cat who may not be able to try a lot of different things, but it does tend to be 
pretty good for a lot of kitties. I think that those are some great places to start. I agree. I like that. So if there is a listener or lots of listeners out there thinking, (laughs) all right, I'm going to teach my cat something. I think a good thing to teach a cat is to come when you call it. Maybe that would be the first step. Could we talk with like simple about simple training of, hey, I want you to come when I make a noise or click my clicker or say your name or whatever. Can we start kind of breaking that down? Yeah. So honestly, a lot of cats already have a come cue. It's when the food makes a sound. So like you open your can of food or you shake a bag of treats. And because clients have done that repeatedly, repetitively, and then reinforce that behavior, the cat comes. So what you guys could do is Take the cool thing about training is if you're doing a training session, they should only be one to three minutes to start. So these aren't things that should take forever, but you can take 10 treats, for example, and call your cat's name in the same room. And when your cat looks at you, you could start by clicking and giving them a treat. Some of your cats may start walking towards you, but some of your cats may start by just looking at you. So we'll start at a place they're comfortable at. And then basically you call their name. Or you could say come because that word, because we say their name for lots of reasons. So maybe saying come would be better. So you say come and then as they're coming towards you, you give them a treat. Or if you are okay with your treat bag shaking being the cue for come, since you probably already in a way have started teaching that, you can just do it more specifically. So in a training session, I'm going to shake the bag while you come to me, since you're already going to come, I'm going to click. And then what you could do is kind of fade out that shaking of the bag. So stop doing that and start saying the word come instead. And you'll have your cat coming. And I would start with it in just a room or two. Then you could start playing with it where I'm going to be in the kitchen while my cats are upstairs and practice come. But we want to start in an area where it's easy, like where my cat's kind of in the same room as me to begin with. And then we make it harder based on distance and, and distractions and things like that. So you've mentioned a couple of times a clicker. And for my listeners that are cat people, I'm a cat and a dog people. So I know what you mean (laughs) by clicker. But can you talk a little bit about what the clicker is and what the theory behind the clicker is? I love that. So a clicker, we just use it as a marker. So instead of just saying, sit down, blah, blah, where the cat, we love cats, but they don't understand English. So as you can imagine, that could be really frustrating So we use a clicker to communicate what behavior we want. So basically the clicker, we think of the clicker as a camera that takes a picture of the behavior we want. And since we're clicking at that same time, we're communicating. It's a way to communicate with the animal what we want. So for example, if I was teaching a cat to sit, I would click when the butt is on the ground. So that's my criteria. I chose it before we started. So I'm not just randomly clicking for everything and confusing the poor kitty. And when the cat's butt hits the ground, I click. And then I reinforce as a separate behavior. So the click is great because it's a way for us to communicate with the cat for what we want. And the other reason we really like clickers is because a click sounds the same from a five-year-old, a 25-year-old, or a 100-year-old versus yes, which you could definitely use a marker word that's consistent, but that might sound a little different from different people. So we really like the clicker because it's just a clear, concise sound every time and there's no emotion. So if you're having a bad day, you're not like, yes, Um, you just have that click. That's a consistent sound for that animal to understand what behavior they wanted. So the clicker is a little handheld device that makes a clicking sound. So where, where would my listeners find a clicker? So 
you can find clickers in some pet stores, but they tend to be the box clickers and box clickers tend to be really, really loud for a cat or even for some dogs I work with a little too loud. So I personally love an iClick, which you can find on Amazon. It's just a little quieter or Dr. Cat, since some of us may not be able to order from Amazon right now, I know most of us can still, but you could even use your tongue. So I click with my tongue um, or you could even use a pen click or a baby food cap. So when I work with really fearful cats, sounds are really sensitive when I'm working with fearful animals. Everything is a little harder for them. So I use a really quiet sound. But generally, you can find a clicker on Amazon. But whatever you choose to use, you just want to be consistent and make sure the whole family and you are using that same thing. Have you ever used a clicker app on your cell phone? I actually haven't, but that is a really good option that I totally forgot about. <laughs> wow, <laughs> so <laughs> useful and helpful. <laughs> so, so you said the training sessions should be between one and three minutes. Is that when you first start out and you can gradually make it longer or does it always need to be kind of short and to the point? It's a great question. So Generally, most cats I've worked with have no history of clicker training. They have history of learning because they're learning every day, of course. So to start, we usually start the quiet with one to three minutes. And when you're clicker training, we want to watch our cat's body language. Like they should be engaged. Ears should be forward. I should be soft. They should be going back to you. Um, if they just walk away, that's no disrespect. That means that they're done or there might have been a distraction or something. So we like to start with one to three minutes. And then let's say your cats, like I have a cat named Chip. We train for 30 minutes at a time, but we've been training for five years and he's giving me body language that he wants to continue training. And we take breaks in between. So we'll, we'll teach something for three minutes and then I might play with a feather wand for two minutes as like a wind down. Then we'll play, we'll clicker train again. So I think it's all about what your cat wants, but I think a great starting point is one to three minutes. And most cats and dogs for that matter as well, they can learn in these short increments, they actually tend to learn a lot better. So even if you're clicker training a sit, for example, one to three minutes a day, your cat will catch on pretty quickly. Well, that's great. So this is very exciting and I've got a lot more questions that I want to ask and specific tips and things, but I do need to take a quick break. So everybody um, hang out and we'll be right back. I have two dogs, Sam and Bailey. Both are golden retrievers. Poor Sam, he was a mess. Always itching, his paws were soaking wet all day from just constant licking. He had bald spots on his back. I just don't like putting shots and steroids into your dog all the time. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dynavite is nutrition. Probably two weeks after he started Dynavite, I started seeing improvements and today 99% of his issues are non-existent. It's amazing stuff. Since Bailey has been 12 weeks old, he's been a Dynavite dog and he has zero issues today. He won't eat his food without Dynavite. When I get out the Dynavite, my dogs actually salivate like I'm getting them a treat. They drool over it. Dynavite is the best thing you can do for your dog. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite from D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 
Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. And Tabitha and I are talking about training cats. And I'm trying to give my listeners a kind of a step-by-step what you need and how to do it thing with Tabitha. So we were just talking about how how long a training session should go. Tabitha, have you seen all of these things on the internet where moms and dads are homeschooling their kids now? Yes. And they're making little schedules and stuff. So, so what about making a plan for our cat? Could we do that? I love that idea. I think making a training plan for your cat or even an enrichment schedule, I know that's a whole nother thing, but like, hey, I'm going to click or train my cat, you know, in the mornings after I eat breakfast, then we're going to play with wand toys during lunch. (laughs) Then they might get some puzzle toys in the evening. And then we might do another training session. Um, Since some of us, a lot of us will most likely have time for two, three minute sessions every day now and then. But I think the idea of a schedule to help keep us on track is a wonderful idea. So how often do you think if you had, I mean, I guess you could have a long-term goal, but how many days a week or times a day, what do you usually recommend? I usually recommend if my client could give me one, one to three minute session, I'm pretty stoked. So if I think if you could spend three to five minutes working clicker training with your cat, I think that that would be great. And then most of my clients end up doing two one to five minute sessions. So because I set realistic expectations for them to start. So I think two sessions a day would be great. And the other thing, Dr. Cat, I was going to mention is I would practice clicker mechanics without your cat to start with. So I would practice holding a clicker and having your treat bag or your treat pocket and just clicking and then having the separate action of putting a reinforcer in a cup. It could be M&Ms and you can eat them afterwards. It could be a really fun game, but then you can get familiar with those clicker mechanics. So when you are working with your cat, you're already skilled at that or at least more familiar. So you're not conflicting or confusing your cat by like, because for example, clicking, we don't click the clicker like a remote in front of the kitty. But I see a lot of people who do that naturally because that's how they're used to holding something that clicks. So I think practicing clicking without the cat to start is a great thing. And you could play some fun games with your kids. Like mommy is going to click when you put your right hand over your head and then you can practice your clicker mechanics and your kids will love it. Oh, I love that because we've got bored children nationwide, I think. (laughs) So first step then, if I'm understanding you correctly, is finding a treat or a motivator that your cat really likes, right? Yes. And so you suggested squeeze cheese and churro and and some other things. I have cats all across the spectrum, but you mentioned M&Ms and I want to make sure the listeners know the M&Ms are not for the cat. The M&Ms are for the people. Yeah, and cats probably would not at all be interested in M&Ms. So that's not for cats. So, all right, I want to take advantage of your expertise now. If I wanted to teach my cat to... For example, let me apply his topical flea product. Where would I start? So I like to create something called a treatment station, or you can call it, that doesn't sound fun to some people. I think it sounds fun because I'm a vet tech. So basically to start, I would pick an area in your home 
that is comfortable with like a non-slip area in a quiet area. So for example, a treatment station can be a heated cat bed or a bath mat on a dresser that has nothing else on it or a yoga mat with a towel over it in a room. And basically, I just want you to give a treat at that station once or twice a day. And what we're doing in that moment is we're creating a positive association with that place. So we could do flea medication, oral medication, sub-Q fluids, lots of cool things, which is why we call it a treatment station. But we've all heard of that fill your kid's cup with lots of good things. Most cat's cups are actually filled with negative things. So they're pretty empty. So what we're doing is we're just creating a familiar routine, which is makes everything easier for cats and humans um, by saying, oh, you get good stuff at this place. And then again, you could, eat, you could do that once a day for seven days. And then you'll notice your cat will just start going there without you having to wrangle them or hide under the bed, which decreases a lot of the stress that's involved with medication. So creating a comfy spot for your cat, like if you have a senior cat, a 16-year-old cat, an elevated area may not be the best because it might be hard for them to get up. But if they love elevated areas, I'm going to put a chair and make a little staircase for them to get to their elevated area. But wherever that is, we're going to make it nice and comfy for them, give them lots of treats there around the same times during the day to create a positive association. Then I might give them some squeezed cheese, for example, and I'm talking like a teaspoon of squeezed cheese and spread it on a thin plate. And while they're at their treatment station, I place it there and then I might just place the my hand over their head. And you might be able to go through these steps really quickly, but we like to break it down because most people go too fast and the cat's like, what is going on? So you would have the, the good treat on the treatment station that we already created a good association to. Then I might put my hand where I would put my hand when I put flea prevention on, because that's weird, hands over heads and necks and stuff. Then if my cat's comfortable with that, I may like not open the flea prevention, but put it on the cats between their shoulder blades. So just place it there. Then I may open it and place it there, but I make sure there's enough food on that plate for that cat to finish. So basically my hand should be away from that cat and food should still be there. Or you could do it the other way where you've worked on each of these steps and click and treat it in between each step. So after you finally get to the step where you're applying it, you give a jackpot of treats. Like you just get five fun treats around your treatment place. Well, so so I'll admit that I did this wrong. That is why I wanted to have you here today um, <laughs> because, because I have a date on my calendar that I need to apply the flea and tick stuff. And so I mistakenly, and I don't do this anymore, but I've learned this bad lesson. <laughs> if I wait until the day it is due, then I have a sense of urgency. And my body language was telling my cat, this is intense. And I taught him to want to leave. So I love your ideas, but plan ahead. Don't wait until the day the product is due, right? Right. And I love your observation and honesty because as a technician, and I'm sure you see this as a vet, I tell my clients, whether it's oral medications or sub-Q fluids or whatever, we talk about this treatment station because my clients actually tend to be really anxious and fidgety and our cats pick up on that. So I always say like, take a deep breath. And if you're feeling really frazzled, like if you just saw a news story, which I'm not judging, I feel all of you right now, 
and you're feeling like your heart rate's up and that's not a great time to apply flea prevention or practice putting flea prevention on. So it's really important, even when we're training our cats, whether it's just to sit or go to a place, we want to be calm too. And I, I definitely agree with you. We should be practicing these things before the medication. Like I always tell people in karate, you don't fight the black belt first, but for some reason, when it comes to behavior, we're like, we're going to do the end goal behavior right away. <laughs> so we have to work up to that and create comfortable things with our kitties. And if you create that treatment station, they're already like, this place is awesome. And even if they don't like, like, for example, when you actually do the aura or the flea medication, flea medication stinks from a cat's perspective. But since you've worked on all these steps and have worked to create a positive association and are calm and relaxed and your cat chose to go there. So you've probably noticed in my plan, I didn't physically manipulate or touch my cat at all, with the exception of touching them with the flea prevention. But with all this stuff in place, even that really gross smell, they're like, this is gross and aversive because guys, it is. It's aversive to us. It's definitely aversive to our kitties. But since we have all that other stuff in place, they're like, this is cool. I'll hang out at this place and eat my treats. It smelled, but whatever. So they tend to get over it quickly or not even... Not that they don't realize it, but since we put all this other stuff in place, they can handle the gross smell of the flea prevention. Yes, patience is a virtue when training cats, I believe. I think you'd probably agree. Yes, so very much. I, I want my listeners to to not start with the goal. Don't do what I did because it really hurt my feelings when my cat retreated and it was all my fault. And I learned a lot about cats. Don't start with the goal. Find a treat your cat really likes. Associate the place you're going to do this with good things first, right? Yeah. And there was something that you said that I thought was was really important. You said choose a criteria, like when the cat's butt hits the ground, that's what you reward. Can you go into that just a little bit more? I think that's super important. That's a really good point. So sometimes when we are doing a training session with our cats, for example, and even me as a trainer, if I go into whether I'm teaching my cat to happily accept flea prevention or sit their butt on the ground, which is the goal behavior, I need to know what I want my cat to do. So if I don't have criteria in my head, what I see that tends to happen is if I don't know what I want my cat to do, how am I going to teach it to my cat? I'm probably going to click and treat for a bunch of random things. And there's really going to be no rhyme or reason. And my poor cat is going to be really confused. So I think even as you're starting clicker training, or with the going to the place and getting the cat more comfortable with the flea prevention, putting their hand over their head, then applying the flea prevention with it closed to the shoulder, then opening it and applying it. I think writing those things down as steps, especially as you start, because you're like, I create training plans in my head all the time now because I'm a trainer. But when I first started, I would write these down because for example, the first seven days might be just you associating that that treat with that positive place. And then you may not go to hand actually touching flea prevention to cat opening flea prevention in the same session. Because the other thing is, we want to have an idea of what we want to do or criteria prior. And we want to make sure this is a really good point that the cat is below threshold, or that's a, just another word for it. the cat should be relaxed and happy. So the cat shouldn't be, you shouldn't be like, okay, I'm ready to, I put my hand over the cat's head. The cat looked at my hand or ears went back. So that tells me we're not going to go to the next step. I'm just going to give the cat a treat and we're going to start at that, the 
just giving him a treat at the mat next time. But if he was like trying to run or ears were back, I wouldn't go to the next step because that's a big thing. So watching your cat's body language and if they're trying to get away, that means we jumped like you beautifully mentioned. That means we jumped too many steps. And now I'm not saying that we can't resolve that or work on that. But it's if we just started at realistic steps to start with and went at a pace the cat was comfortable with, it goes a lot faster than if we create negative associations to stuff and the cat's telling us to stop. And we're like, we either don't recognize that because again, most humans are awesome. So they don't recognize that their cat's saying to stop. And then we basically taught our cat, like you asked me to stop five times and I'm still doing this. Or a lot of us physically manipulate our cats when it comes to meds. And I have a lot of great videos, which I could definitely share with you, Dr. Cat, where I'm medicating my cats and it's, there's not a lot of me touching the cat and it's a lot of my cats choosing to do things. So when you give cats choice and clear criteria, they tend to do a lot better, which makes a lot of sense because I think we all do better. You've all had jobs where you haven't gotten clear criteria and then your boss got mad at you and you're like, what? So it's really, really frustrating. So when, when it comes to teaching your cat, even if it's something as short as a sit, be sure that you have clear criteria in your head. And if your family, like, let's say I taught my, if I teach my cat something, my husband is not a trainer. I tell him what I did. And if I have my cat use a cue, like a word that means sit or something like that, I tell him what word I use, because if I don't, he might be asking my cat for something else. And then the whole family's asking the cat for something else. And they're like, the cat's not doing it. And it wasn't the cat. We were just really confusing the cat. Oh, that totally happens at my house. Yes. <laughs> my son's like, the cat won't do anything. That cat is just not a good cat. And, and it's it's not that. The cat right. is a cat. Well, this has been really fun and I think extremely educational to help my listeners learn how to do these things. And you can teach a cat to do all kinds of things. And as Tabitha mentioned, you can teach the cat to tolerate veterinary treatments. Uh, we in the veterinary world would love for you to do that, to tolerate the cat carrier, to tolerate medications, and even do fun things like sit when you ask. So, hey, Tabitha, you have a terrific website with a lot of resources. Can you share with my listeners how to find you? Sure. So my website is Chirrups and Chatter, C-H-I-R-R-U-P-S-A-N-D, C-H-A-T-T-E-R.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Chirrups and Chatter. I recently had to medicate my cat without doing medication training prior since I trained all four of my other cats. But of course, my fifth cat, something happened. And I talk about my steps on what I did with my cat. And within three to four days, my husband could medicate my cat and she was choosing to go to that spot. So there's a lot of things that we could do even because people are like, what if my cat's on meds now? There's still things you can do to make it better. Always. Oh, that's awesome. So there are videos and other podcasts and things that people can find if you will look Tabitha up. And and if you can't find Tabitha, you can always reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, gosh, Twitter, every all the social media <laughs> outlets. And I will I will find Tabitha for you. Tabitha, it's fun. I hope that you will come back. I'm sure there are other things that we can talk about. So <laughs> thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me and what great timing. People are in the house. Guys, train your cat. Yay. Yeah, train your cat every day. Just yes. for a little while. It's, I it's love fun. it. 
make your little schedule, post it on your Facebook page about your cat training schedule, and then have all your friends comment. That'll be fun. Okay, so Tabitha's awesome, possum, and I want to thank my terrific producer, Mark Winter, because without him, I couldn't teach you how to take the best care of your cats. And I want my listeners to all go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.